Hello, my name's Justin DeClue, and I'm here today with... Will Sloan. And you're listening to The Important Cinema Club. And I just realized, listening to last week's episode, that we don't actually say what The Important Cinema Club is. Because I guess we don't really know what it is. Yeah, it's it's really just an excuse for us to hang out, right? <laughs> Yeah, and talk about movies. Yeah. Important ones. We only talk about important ones. Which is why we're talking about this week, <laughs> Diplomaniacs, the Wheeler and Woosley uh, Wool- spectacular... <laughs> Show them a little goddamn respect. And the Marx Brothers... Now, Will is the one that picked these two movies, and explain to us why you went for these particular films. Well, Duck Soup by the Marx Brothers, probably a top five movie of all time for me. Mm-hmm. Classic uh, classic comedy, classic uh, war satire. Uh, and one of the funniest comedies of all time. I think like... anyone would agree. Um, and I then picked Diplomaniacs because it is a actually quite similar war comedy uh off the wall wacky 60 minute war comedy from 1933 the same year starring everyone's favorite comedy duo wheeler and woolsey and how did you hear about them oh well actually just a few years ago i saw somebody say something on twitter along the lines of just saw this movie diplomaniacs by wheeler and woolsey seriously on par with duck soup (laughs) which is a bit of a stretch but um the thing is if you love the marx brothers as i do uh, and you've seen all their good movies you know a million times and you want something kind of in the same kind of in the same vein as the marx brothers if like kind of like when you've seen all of jackie chan's films and you're like i want something you know kind of like jackie chan you're like hey billy chong yeah. In <laughs> yeah right you know why not it's like if you if you're trying to get off heroin and <laughs> oxycontin yeah, yeah you want you, you get on methadone <laughs> that's kind of what i thought wheeler and woolsey would be so i i took the plunge i got some warner archive uh wheeler and woolsey dvds maybe we should first say who are wheeler and woolsey i have no idea you, you want to take this one like well, describing them as comedians okay like, so who are they one of them is a groucho marx ripoff okay well we don't know that uh so wheeler and woolsey okay wheeler and woolsey first of all they're a comedy duo uh, one of them is named robert woolsey he's got uh he's got a cigar he's kind of a slickster kind of a kind of a fast talking hey, he walks with a crouch in a crouch there are there are some he does not have a mustache though he does not have a mustache and there's the other guy burt wheeler uh who's more of a simpleton mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a wide-eyed naive type mm-hmm. uh, those may have been the exact words i saw on wikipedia today <laughs> so we plunge into the word their wikipedia page <laughs> it's pretty long so we probably didn't read all of it no but... <laughs> no i saw when they died and you know uh they they were vaudevillian stage actors and they were paired together in 1929 for a broadway musical called rio rita mm-hmm. and uh it was money in the bank so then they came to hollywood to make rio rita the movie Mm-hmm. And then they stayed together to make something like 20 more uh, kind of low-budget, 60-or-so-minute comedy programmers for RKO. <laughs> that have long been forgotten to this day. Yeah, and, you know, some people, the Three Stooges, Abbott and Costello, their movies got shown on TV a lot. Boomers watched them. Mm-hmm. Many generations afterwards saw them. Wheeler and Woozy kind of got lost to the dustbin of history. And I think one of the reasons that that happened is that uh, Woolsey actually died. Yes. Very early on in his career, in 1938. Age uh, 50. Their careers, from what I gather from Wikipedia, were kind of a little bit on the on the downturn. Mm-hmm. Many of their best movies were directed by a guy named George Stevens, yes. who later did uh, G- Giant. Uh, and Laurel and Hardy shorts. Laurel and Hardy shorts. But a th- few uh, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers musicals. Uh, a, very, a very accomplished director. Anyway, he left and they got less talented directors, lower mm. budgets, and then... To add insult to injury, Woolsey 
became terminally ill during the making of their last film, was bedridden for a year, and then died of uh, kidney failure. Yep. That's what I wrote. And then uh, Wheeler went on his own, trying to make a go at it on the circuit. Didn't not, do so well. Not very successfully. He did bit parts basically until he died in 1968. Long after, you know, the Three Stooges and Laurel and Hardy and the Marx Brothers had all been rediscovered. So so now that we've gone through that barrel of laughs, let's <laughs> talk about their movie. But the legacy they left behind. <laughs> Actually, first of all, let's talk about Duck Soup. Duck Soup first instead of Diplomania? Yeah. Like, we gotta... First of all, this episode is our bid for the mainstream. This is the one that's gonna push us over the edge. Are we the Wheeler and Woolsey of... I'm gonna say their name yeah. wrong every time. Thing is, we're already Wheeler and Woolsey. We wanna, <laughs> we wanna become the Marx Brothers. Whoa. We wanna... This is the episode that's gonna push us over the top. We're gonna put our iTunes rankings up to number one. Okay, number one. All the Marx Brothers and Wheeler and Woolsey fans out there are going to download this. Okay. So they're going to download a podcast about a bunch of two guys talking about duck soup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we're going to start with duck soup because that's the one everyone knows, I think. You know what? I'm going to say right off the bat that Marx Brothers was never part of my childhood. The what? Three Stooges were. Yeah, me too. But not the Marx Brothers. You know when probably the first time I sat down and watched the Marx Brothers? When, when was it Warner's put out that box set that had like, um, it didn't have Duck Soup. It had Night at the Opera, Day at the Races, and then the movies they made after that. Yeah, after that Which one. are not good. No, they're not good. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I actually sat down and watched the Marx Brothers movies. Now that's interesting because I probably saw Duck Soup for the first time when I was like maybe five or six. Mm-hmm. I, I saw all the Paramount era ones around that time. It's hard for me to imagine what it would be like to not grow up with the Marx Brothers and not have that as a frame of reference. Like in my in your in my entire life, like like to come to them late. Yeah. Sometimes I'll hear people who have come to them late and find them and don't find them as funny. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you? I mean, it was funny, mm-hmm. but good. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, should I should I get a hot? Okay. Take so then, like... my next question is: Fuck, marry, or kill? Groucho, Harpo, <laughs> Chico. Uh, wait, wait. Let's throw in I'm Zappo. A big, I'm a big Zappo fan. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is my favorite? Mark? It has to be Groucho, right? Yeah. I imagine as a kid, everyone's favorite is yeah Harpo. Mm-hmm. And maybe when you're in your like late teens, early twenties, you're like, oh, you know, Chico's my favorite. Oh, because you want that's like saying Ringo is your favorite exactly, Beatle. <laughs> yeah. And then after you're like, well, Groucho is obviously the best. I mean, and if you want to be a real dick, you could say that like Gummo is your favorite. Yeah, but Gummo isn't in any of the, of the movies. So. Yes, Gummo is the the mythical long lost Marx Brothers. Who supposedly he started a talent agency, and that's what he that, did no, with? sorry, that was Zeppo. That Zeppo, was Zeppo started a talent agency after he wisely left the act. Zeppo, okay. So you got Groucho. He's the guy with the mustache. He's really funny. Yeah. You got Harpo. He's the he's the silent guy. He's really funny. You got Chico. He's the Italian stereotype. He's kind of funny. For the people that I'll, have been are listening to this podcast and don't know who the Marx Brothers are. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I'm sorry, but the Marx Brothers are not like Marvel anymore. They're not on every bus stop like they were in 1932. <laughs> okay. There may be people out there who don't know. And then Zeppo was literally some other guy that they had in the act. Mm-hmm. He was their romantic lead and he sucked. He was horrible. Well, yeah, he was he ever a real romantic lead in any of their films? Because in Duck Soup, Uh, Horse Feathers, I believe he's the romantic lead. Yeah, he's boring. Yeah, and he supposedly was on their vaudevillian. Is that how vaudeville vaudevillian vaudevillian stage show that he had a big part in it? Supposedly, people say that he was very funny in real life. Oh, not in the movies. (laughs) Not at all. I mean, there's a reason that Groucho is probably in the lead because he is the funniest one, and. At the same time, I feel like if I had seen these movies when you saw them when they were five, there's so much wordplay I wouldn't have understood. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Harpo, he's got a grease paint mustache. He's got a, a comically large cigar. You he's, mean Groucho? 
Oh yeah, sorry, Groucho. You're confusing people who I'm, do not know who the Marx Brothers are. I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm going to commit Harry Curie right now for having dishonored the memory of the Marx Brothers. Um, I find Harpo not as funny as I would probably find him mm-hmm. if I was five years old because he's a bit of a sociopath. Yeah. Okay. We'll get into that. I think the other thing that that as a kid I responded to them and that any kid would respond is the fact that they're so flagrantly disrespectful of authority. Yeah, I could totally see that. If I was a kid and I saw this, these would be the three coolest people in the entire <laughs> world because they just don't give a fuck. Yes. To the point that like it feels um, watching the movie and this has been something that I thought about a lot watching the Marx Brothers movie is that they cannot exist out of the context of the film that they're in. Like, Duck Soup starts with um, someone being like, we should bring in Groucho Marx because... So, the plot of the movie is uh, Fredonia, the foreign nation of Fredonia, is in financial trouble. Uh, Mrs. Teasdale, wealthy dowager, portrayed by the great Margaret Dumont, says, "As chairwoman of the reception committee, uh, or whatever she says, she'll only give Fredonia her husband's twenty million dollar estate if they appoint Rufus T. Firefly as dictator." How did this happen? Like, that's a great question. Where's the prequel? To they Duck don't. Soup? They do not bother with what the what the Mrs. Teasdale Rufus T. Firefly story was before. Like, have they fucked? Have they have they made sweet love? I think it's an unrequited romance. Because throughout the whole movie, Groucho basically treats her as a meal ticket. Yes. And kind of indicates that he'll he'll flatter her. Which is weird because he's already dictator. What else does he need? Well, I mean, I guess I, I think she probably has the power to overthrow the dictator <laughs> as richest woman in. So this really reflects our um, current day to day life. Where <laughs> big business is running the government. Yeah, it's an oligarchy. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, God, what else? Oh, but then there's another, there's a subplot where ambassador Trentino from the rival nation of Sylvania. I don't know. Who cares? Yeah. So I'm no, this is very important information. <laughs> he wants Mrs. Teasdale's money. I want to say, or maybe he runs a nation or like, maybe, maybe he wants, what to, did her husband do that? He made this much money. I don't think that was revealed. He was, he was a rich guy, uh, a baron of some sort. Yes. Uh, anyway, the guy from, uh, ambassador Trentino does not like Rufus T. Firefly and mm-hmm. he's going to take his money away and he's going to take his woman away. So have you patterned your day to day life on Groucho Marx and duck soup? No. How annoying. That's very you... flattering if you, if you think I did. But <laughs> no, no, I was thinking about, it'd be very annoying to have a friend like that. <laughs> because I... the Marx Brothers are people that are really fun to watch, wouldn't be fun to hang out with. I love that first scene when uh, Groucho comes in and, and Margaret Dumont says what his job is. And he says, well, that covers a lot of ground. Say, you cover a lot of ground too. You better beat it. I hear they're going to tear you down and build an apartment building where you are. That insult comedy is what uh, Will like, Sloan loves. That's, a, that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> to start a movie like that. Um, and we should actually mention that Duck Soup uh, is directed by Leo McCary, uh, Academy Award winner, the Leo McCary. future Academy Award winner. <laughs> yeah. uh, he did not win an Academy Award for du- Duck Soup. Director of such timeless classics as Make Way for Tomorrow. The saddest movie ever. Uh, great film yes going my way mm-hmm. uh my parent my mom's favorite film the awful truth the awful truth unfair to remember mm-hmm. ruggles great. of red gap great director which brings into question you know directors really matter when you're making these kind of comedy films that if you have a limp director to let them run wild you need that structure in a movie leo mccary also started in silent film mm-hmm. doing a lot of laurel and hardy and harold lloyd and harry langdon yeah, so he knew exactly what mm-hmm. was going on. Even though that the kind of slapstick 
thing is not something I usually associate with the Marx Brothers, even though some of their most famous bits, like the mirror gag, is pure slapstick. I feel like the mirror gag probably had a lot to do with McCary. No, he's the one who brought it in. Yeah, okay. There you go. Yeah. Even, that was a part of their old vaudeville routine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is Duck Soup your favorite Marx Brother movie out of all of them? Yes. It's the one that has no dead spots. Mm-hmm. All the other Marx Brothers movies will have... Uh, a sappy romantic plot mm. or they'll have uh 15 minutes of harpo playing the harp and chico playing the piano and this one is uh, this one not only is almost every scene funny with yeah. the exception of the first five minutes where they just introduce where they put the players on the board <laughs> yeah every scene is funny and it also has this insane momentum where it keeps building every scene every situation gets more and more ridiculous up to the point where the two nations declare war. Yes, and then we get... I remember the first time I saw it at the end, the last 10 minutes is like a war set comedy routine. And I'm like, what? What well, happened? Well, you'll remember in that, uh, see, Chico and Harpo are spies for Ambassador Trentino, <laughs> yes. okay? And they're supposed to spy on Groucho. Well, Groucho figures it out and he puts them on trial. But then they declare war on <laughs> on Sylvania. And all of a sudden, the trial is over and all four Marx Brothers are singing together. And then apparently, uh, Chico is back as like, minister of war for <laughs> for groucho none of the plot makes sense so this kind of comedy film you don't need its own internal logic then well it does have an internal logic to an extent it has an internal logic just to consciously subvert it so yeah. take the famous mirror scene mm-hmm. where uh for those of you who have not seen the movie groucho uh, uh chico is for reasons too elaborate to explain he's dressed as groucho which uh an anecdote i read online is that all the marx brothers look so much like each other that <laughs> if they all dressed up like groucho people couldn't tell them apart yeah yeah so uh he's dressed up like groucho and he breaks the mirror so the two of them you know are looking at each other in the mirror and they're doing the exact same actions and groucho clear there's clearly a point where groucho knows that it's har- that it's chico on the other end of the mirror so really it just becomes like gamesmanship of trying to do the most complicated move. But then Chico drops his hat and Groucho picks it up and hands it back to him and they like nod at each other and they just keep going. Yeah. To the point so so the point they've established the internal logic, but then they just they just screw up the internal logic just to pull the rug out from under you and say the joke's on you for even assuming there's an internal logic in here. Just like the scene where Chico's on trial and Groucho decides to be his lawyer because he likes his uh, yeah, attitude. Yeah, and that's uh, the Marx Brothers were rediscovered in the 60s and 70s during the Vietnam War kind of by college campuses who embraced them as being these anarchic icons. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, one of the reasons why the movie is an effective, if maybe unintentional, political satire is the fact that it is purely anarchic. Mm-hmm. It has no respect for anything, not its not not its characters, not its plot. Which brings up the question, <laughs> do you feel, I know you don't feel, that they're too mean in the movie. Because I don't. Harpo, he's killed a man, right? Whoa. Like, he carries around a pair of scissors, cutting people's ties off, cutting people's hair. Like, at one point, he just sliced a baby's throat just to see it. Wow, that, that's dark. I feel like... The Marx, the world of the Marx Brothers is one where I think it's like the Three Stooges, where people don't necessarily die, like bombs go off. Well, there is the part though when Groucho is firing his gun at soldiers, going, "Look at him run! Look at him run!" And you hear You're shooting die. at your own men. Yeah, exactly. So I assume that he's killing people there. Uh, I think he's just making them run. So they're not sociopaths then, in your. I think they are. I, you know, I like to think that maybe they're disappointed idealists. I think. <laughs> I think, Whoa, I, I think you're reading into the text that doesn't exist I here. think there are people who maybe at one point 
uh, were idealists and then they realized the world is just a joke and that everything everything sucks. So they're gonna be like, all right, we're just going to treat this world on its own terms. So take the the somewhat controversial running gag of Chico and Harpo being popcorn salesmen and uh, classic comedian Edgar Kennedy being the le- rival lemonade salesman. It's weird because they just mercifully mercilessly make fun of him for no other reason except that he he's like. He just wants to run a business. He doesn't do anything to them. Yeah. He, they just torture him. And I think it's just because they see him and they're like, okay, we're not on the same wavelength here. You think like you think that this world is worth fighting for. You think that it, it it's meaningful to make a living in this horrible world. I think we're, lo- we're looking <laughs> internally at Will Smith here and that this is your like, life mantra. The fact that you take this seriously, this feud that we're having, and you take your business seriously makes us want to... Destroy screw, it. Makes you, us want to screw with you more. To the point that Harpo is sleeping with the <laughs> lemonade salesman's wife. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just all's fair in love and war. <laughs> They're, they're they're fighting for for some principle. So in Diplomaniac, let's let's jump to that. Okay, one. the forgotten comedy, which is you know honestly pretty funny. I and enjoyed it. Looking at the credits, it's actually written by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, the guy who jo- made Joseph Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz, yeah. the guy who made All About Eve and The Barefoot Contessa. Mm-hmm. I guess he was slumming it at this point, trying to work his way up in the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I want to point out the Duck Soup and the other Marx Brothers movies were written by. Uh, Many great humorists, one of whom was S.J. Perlman, the the famed New Yorker humorist. So, you know, these guys had great writers. Yep. It wasn't all on them. And some other weird credits are that Max Steiner, the uh, composer of King Kong, actually did music supervision on Duplomax. I think isn't uh, Marion C. Cooper credited? Yeah, as as one of the executive producers. Mm -hmm. And the director, William A. Sider, I don't know anything about him. Uh, But there are two other cast members from Duck Soup who are also in Diplomaniacs, one of whom, Ambassador Trentino, played by a guy whose name I don't know, is also the villain in Diplomaniacs playing essentially the exact same role. Yes, which is weird because it came out the exact same year. So do you think Diplomaniacs was set up as a, you know how you get two Snow White films in the same year? Yeah. (laughs) Like the two anarchic political comedies of 1933 and you know duck soup was famously not a financial success so uh historians out there who would like to look into this <laughs> ridiculous speculation could you see if maybe they split the business like oh like maybe it was a white house down olympus has fallen situation yeah, yeah where it's ma- like maybe white house down is the more fun movie but people are like i've already seen that when olympus has fallen came out yeah maybe historians i mean i'm just gonna speculate. i don't want to do real research no, I don't, so you, some, what will this prove to us somebody find out i i spent minutes today on the wheeler and woolsey wikipedia page so i've done my part for film history <laughs> looking into their <laughs> into their death so you watch a lot of their movies and you this is like their funniest right of the four or five that i've seen yes i think so this one uh diplomaniacs is a pretty high gag per minute ratio mm-hmm. like they're kind of knocking them out of the park as far as you know visual verbal uh, Diplomaniacs has a lot more surreal moments mm-hmm. than um, Duck Soup has from them being trampolined up into the air where they fade mm-hmm. up and go into the stars. What is Diplomaniacs about? Uh, this is such a hard... Okay, so summarize. it starts on a politically incorrect note. Wheel- yes. Wheeler and Woolsey are... Uh, they're, they're running a barbershop on a Native American... Uh, What's the word? Uh, reservation. Reservation. And there's a whole bit where they talk about how the Native Americans can't grow any hair. And scientists, please look into that. <laughs> I, I I, don't think that's true. But... Yeah. And they're like, we can't <laughs> shave any of the Native Americans because they don't need to be shaved. And then somehow they get roped into 
for millions of dollars to go get world peace at the UN? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the UN is depicted as as just well. It's, sorry, I guess it would have been the League of Nations at this point. Mm. Uh, the the or the League of Nations like organization is is depicted as just a chaotic, uh, totally totally horrible organization of everyone wants war. I guess uh, if you wanna if you wanna be like amateur sociologist here and and draw some connections, I guess we're we're you know fifteen years or so after World War One yeah. and uh, dictate certain dictators are rising in the in uh, Europe. As we looked right before the start of this podcast, Hitler actually became chancellor yes. in 1933. This is the history cast. <laughs> the history cast. And Mussolini was, of course, in power for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So they're really, cl- you know, documenting so their clearly, day-to-day lives. So clearly there was some zeitgeist going on that these guys were capturing. and uh, So that leads to uh, a scene with a man in an ape suit, <laughs> which never goes beyond that point. I was very disappointed. <laughs> I, uh, uh, oh, also, during that opening uh, scene with the natives, I kept thinking, oh, God, this is this is pretty not pc but at least it's not blackface <laughs> well in what? the climax there's a massive blackface scene. a bomb goes off in the league of nations and literally everybody in the room becomes blackface including our heroes wheeler and woolsey and then they sing a song don't they yes this is something that i noticed both in the marx brothers and in the wheeler and woolsey comedy is that they sing a lot of songs it feels almost like bollywood in their you know structure something that never went on in modern day comedies that's right duck soup at least has like funny songs and so does diplomaniacs diplomaniacs includes one uh really funny song where burt wheeler and the the leading lady like sing a love song to each other and start literally wrestling each other during the song for reasons that are hard to explain. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, as much as we've been slagging diplomaniacs, uh, Will said before we started the podcast, we digged them up just to bury them again. (laughs) But no, I really liked it. I mean, aside from that blackface gag, that was pretty rough. There's actually a really funny scene where Wheeler is... I think he's singing a song and eating a piece of bread and he keeps spitting the bread out and catching it in his hand yeah, good and then stuff. putting it back in his mouth in one take. I like the scene where the the sinister erstwhile ambassador Trentino, the bad guy says, uh, we need to get a vamp to seduce these guys. Somebody fetch us a vamp and then they literally order a vamp and a woman comes down like a tube, like literally wrapped in, in wrapping and they unwrap her and she's like a ready-made vamp. For like people that- who don't know what a vamp is, you define it. I don't know if I can. It's a woman in the 30s who would seduce men and usually destroy them. So, I mean, that's an amazing surreal gag. That's worthy of the Marx Brothers. Then why is did Wheeler and Woosley not become as popular as the Marx Brothers? I mean... Do you think it has to do, like you said at the top of the podcast, about how much it played on TV? Something like It's a Wonderful Life, that when it played in theaters, it bombed. But because TV stations picked it up, mostly because it fell into the public domain, and played it and played it and played it, it became, you know, into the public consciousness. I think that might have something to do with it. I mean, Abbott and Costello are not a great comedy team. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. (laughs) Abbott and Costello... I haven't seen many of their shorts, so I have no opinion on that. <laughs> okay, I listen, I like Abbott and Costello. They've made some movies I enjoy. That Who's on first? It's classic. I don't think they're they're up there with What Laurel. about Laurel and Hardy? Uh, yeah, they're great. Uh, but Abbott and Costello, I think, are more well-known because they got into that circulation earlier mm-hmm. on. Wheeler and Woolsey, who I don't like as much as Abbott and Costello. Uh, <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> I can't fight back, Will. <laughs> Go easy on them. Uh, they're, they're, they're all right. I like them. 
Uh, they got their Warner Archive box set that you can only order <laughs> if you want it that you'll never be able to find on the store shelves. I mean, maybe if I'd seen Wheeler and Woolsey as a small child and they'd become part of my life from an earlier age, I'd love them. But I don't know. I somehow doubt it. I mean, it's not like they're they're not as riotously funny as the Marx Brothers. They're mm-hmm. they're uh, they're a kind of weird guy with a weird slick talking guy with a cigar who's not. Who's not the, Groucho Marx? Not Groucho Marx. Yeah. And then there's this other guy who I think is not as good as Chico. <laughs> <laughs> so the comparison does you no favors while you're watching. Yeah. It. I have to be honest that I, as a kid, was a Three Stooges guy. I love the Three Stooges. Those are the shorts that I watched the most. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine trying to sit down and talk about a Three Stooges film? And I, I mean, they didn't really make any good feature films, unless we're talking about the Mel Gibson produced biopic. <laughs> <laughs> who played the oh the guy from the shield oh uh, michael chiklis was curly in that that, <laughs> that was a made for tv movie from the year 2000 great movie it was appointment viewing for me when that was on <laughs> really everybody else was watching like one of the stanley cup playoffs but i watched three stooges produced by mel gibson and you know what like you said it's a great movie <laughs> but there's something that i guess maybe i was just had a more simple mind that the three stooges appealed to me I don't, I don't know i mean the three stooges it really does even now even now when i watch it there will be moments where i can't help laughing out loud it's just it's just fundamental like like if uh if mo is about to take a sledgehammer and hit something on the ground and he lifts it up and he hits he hits curly in the head <laughs> and then he like there's something that's just so dumb it's funny which, which you know, what makes us laugh? Like, that's a question yeah. that you have to ask. It's a very big general thing, but it's the dumb things that usually make you laugh. Usually, like, when you hear a very complex or intelligent joke, very rare you'll be like... <laughs> yeah, like, it's the it's these basic human experiences that we have. Getting hurt. Like <laughs> I saw you were going to say being hit in the head with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I saw my friend once get hit by a baseball bat. Was not funny at the time. Okay, well, I you think it probably. I think, it, I think it probably was. Yeah. In retrospect, it was but I, I also think the Three Stooges are great comedians. I mean, they are so committed to the act. Mm-hmm. Some something about them. There's no. They take it so seriously. Mm. It's like Mo, Curly, eh, Larry. You know, I'm not a big Larry fan. Well, is I, any is I, Larry anyone's favorite Stooge? Well, that's like saying Ringo's your favorite yeah. Beatle, you know? It, it's kind of, it's like, what was Larry's job in the Three Stooges? Larry's job was to have the third guy. <laughs> so it couldn't just be two guys? If it was just two guys, it would be sad. If it was two guys, it would be a mean guy <laughs> yeah. beating up a funny fat guy. You needed to have Larry there. Have you, have you noticed, by the way, that Larry and Curly almost never talk? I never noticed they that. They always talk through Mo. Oh, really? Uh, and there's one Three Stooges short called Higher Than a Kite where... Uh, they're working. They smoke some weed. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what that's what their fans were doing while they watched it. Probably. Yep. Uh, baby boomers taking all our jobs and money. <laughs> so uh, Mo gets his head stuck in a pipe, and they have and Curly and Larry have to collaborate on how to get his head out of the pipe. Mm. And so they're kind of like, "Hey, if we heat it, it'll slip off." <laughs> or <laughs> and and it's great because these guys, two guys who never actually speak to each other are now fo- these forced to collaborate to get the smarter stooge out of a pipe. Oh, wow. That sounds great. I need to go check that out. Have you ever seen, you've seen the Three Stooges movie by the Fairley Brothers, right? Yeah. I, yes, I have. I love the Three Stooges movie. I love it too. And there's an amazing stretch in that movie where Curly they break up. and Mo break up. Yeah. Oh, so sad when that happens. But what I think is, I think the Fairley Brothers figured this out. They figured out that Curly and Larry never talked to each other. And mm-hmm. so they decided to, in their movie, 
have this dream world scenario where they do. And I have to say that when we're saying that the Three Stooges movie that was made in the late 2000s is good, we're not being the, ironic. Yeah, the Fairley Brothers one. The Fairley it, it's Brothers really good. One. We were being ironic about that Mel Gibson one earlier. <laughs> Hey, I enjoyed it. There's yeah. this really sad moment where a bunch of drunk people start to torture <laughs> Michael Chiklis and like poking his eyes. He's like, why are you doing this to me? Do you remember the scene where after Michael Chiklis has had a stroke and Mo comes in the hospital and he says, well, kid, well, you know, you'll be, I'm sure you'll be back in the act any minute now. But in the meantime, can you sign this form? And you see Michael Chiklis reading this form where he has to sign over the rights to the curly name <laughs> and like crying. No, I, 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 I was, I was, I was also crying. Moved. Um, but why are there no comedians like the Marx Brothers today? Oh, well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> where, where are the Grouchos? How, how would you define... I think there are lots of Grouchos today. Yeah, I mean, Bill Murray is a Groucho. I was going to say that it went from vaudeville to the cinema, and that was a big transition point. Mm-hmm. And does that really exist anymore? Like, is it from YouTube to the cinema? No, I mean, nowadays, I guess there are, you know, comedy clubs and mm-hmm. the, there's sketch comedy. It's not the same. Not the same. I like how we sound like a hundred-year-old men, <laughs> you know, thinking nostalgically about the vaudeville days. You know, <laughs> back when real comedy, up the cat skills. Back when real comedy, Shecky Green <laughs> and Henny Youngman. None of that. None of that filth that people say today. <laughs> I don't like my comedy blue that's like not, that Andrew Dice Clay. That's not comedy. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, comedians like the Marx Brothers exist today, but I don't, I think the people who don't exist today are people like Buster Keaton, mm-hmm. you know, the real physical. Uh, Mr. Jackie Chan. Well, I, if you would have let me finish, I would have <laughs> said that the only place where that thing sort of exists, it was in Hong Kong where they had things like the Chinese opera school where kids were basically sold into slave labor <laughs> and, and get, you know, forced into backbreaking acrobatic exercise for 15 hours a day. I think the issue is that people, when they see slapstick, it's automatically dumb. Like you can't really do slapstick in any kind of medium without people being like, Haha, "That's stupid." Yeah, but even but but even if you wanted to do really graceful, mm-hmm. like precision slapstick of the of the Buster Keaton vein, there's just no place where people are getting that sort of training. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say like the Chris Kattan vein. Or... Oh, well, I mean, I guess there's there are people like Jim Carrey or Chris Kattan, or... who were the Buster Keatons of our generation. Well, sure. I mean, you don't you won't see them jump off a building. No, and I think that. I mean, we're completely off track from the Marx Brothers and Wheeler and Woosley, but like comedy from Buster Keaton, what was really fun is that he did everything himself from either director, writing, doing his own stunts, just like Jackie Chan. (laughs) And I think that makes a big difference at the end product. Mm -hmm. While at the same time, the Marx Brothers, they just need good writers and directors Mm -hmm. to help them boost their own kind of comedic skills. So, Justin, what would you say the modern day duck soup is? The modern day duck soup? Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. It's clearly Bullworth. <laughs> Bullworth. So, so you mean actually like <laughs> political comedy? Yeah, like the wag the dogs out there. And I, the... you know what? I actually don't even know why I said that. I just wanted to bring up Bullworth, <laughs> <laughs> the last film that Warren Beatty directed until yeah. now, because he has a new one soon. coming out. Noted comedian Warren Beatty. But I mean, the com- the political comedy in Duck Soup and Diplomaniacs is not very pointed or directed at anyone. No. But did you know that Duck Soup was banned in Italy by Mussolini? I didn't know that. The Marx Brothers took uh, apparently took a special delight at that. Mm-hmm. When Duck Soup was rediscovered on college campuses in the 60s and was praised as being a political satire, the surviving Marx Brothers, by that point I think it might have just been Groucho, uh, he said, I think he was quoted as saying, we were just four Jews trying to be funny. So, which on the one hand indicates uh, the fact that 
uh, he didn't think it was a real point of political satire. Well, it's again, not. He did bring up the J word, which would have been a political hot topic at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think the real question is, what did Hitler think of duck soup? Uh, he found it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I got him on the line right now. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. I mean, since this was coming at the time when there were dictators in in Europe, and if you look at all the extras in Duck Soup, they they all look like European peasants. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie the movie is clearly w- was made under the shadow of that sort of thing. So, if anything, seeing Groucho destroy this whole you know support system is good because we don't like dictators any, anyway. We don't want to see him in power. Well, there's his opening song where he says something along the lines of, uh, last guy nearly ruined this place. He didn't know what to do with it. If you think this country's bad off now, just wait till I get through with it. <laughs> and then they cheer him. It's kind of uh, kind of prescient, isn't it? Yeah. It makes you think of a certain other political leader, doesn't it? Yeah, Obama. Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here all night, everybody. And if you want to tweet this episode, do the hashtag no Obama. Don't do that. Please don't. Um, I mean, like, is it, are we just around the corner from a new Marx Brothers troupe or something like that? I guess maybe there's just... Um, no, we're once, not. <laughs> once again, I sound like a hundred-year-old man where I'm like, the internet, there's just too many people. Where's Jack Benny? <laughs> Jack Benny. <laughs> Back when Arl Johnson was around, he really understood what comedy was. So... Final judgment. What's a better movie, Duck Soup or Diplomaniacs? Well, it's obviously Duck Soup. Okay, but which of those two movies would you recommend? Duck Soup. Like if someone... and, but, but both of them. Oh, I would recommend both of them. Yeah, they're both funny. Yeah. Um, would I recommend them to anyone? Like if someone came up to me on the street and they were like, I need something really funny. Could you recommend something? I think you'd say, if you want a funny movie but and you can, you're okay with fast-forwarding through some blackface, <laughs> check out Diplomaniacs. They're like, no, I love blackface. I'm like, well, I have a jazz singer right here for you. I think I'd be like, okay, no thank you, sir. <laughs> well, I think the most shocking thing about duck soup and diplomaniac is that they're still funny to this day ah uh, isn't that isn't that the true <laughs> test of a classic <laughs> that they still work you know here we are 80 years later and we're still talking about duck soup and diplomaniacs <laughs> do you think like wheeler and woosley like super fans have like a notification <laughs> on google that like when something somebody writes something about them it goes up this is a lot this whole podcast has i think been an elaborate ruse to to like <laughs> Find the Wheeler and Woolsey fans. And on that note, my name is Justin the Clue. My name is is uh, Bert Wheeler. <laughs> Bert Wheeler. Oh my god! What a twist! How dare you <laughs> impugn my legacy? Are you still alive? <laughs> All right, this is getting very silly. Who are you? I'm Will Sloan. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.